This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Phil to rushing here, and if you'd like to call and chat about gardening, this is a pretty good chance. I mean, there's all sorts of ways you can get information about gardening, but um, I'm willing to scratch my head if you are. So if you've got some things to, to chat about, some odd things, some unusual things, maybe not sure if you should do something right now or not, uh, go ahead and give us a call. If I don't know, somebody else will chime in and help us both out. But uh, after all these decades of gardening I'm on top of my horticulture training and working with uh, countless gardeners over the years, I've learned some stuff, some stuff that I learned in college that's just not – true well it may be true but it ain't right you know sometimes we have to as gardeners just sort of skim over some of the rules and sort of muddle through and just enjoy what we can and uh if you run into problems you know sometimes uh, the uh, the best solution is not the most direct solution i'd be glad to help you out there i'm not sold in any one approach towards gardening so um if you're not comfortable talking about lawns, we'll talk about wildflowers. If you like a lawn, I will make your ears bleed with detail about lawn care. Whatever you want to do, give us a call. It's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. Uh, hey, Java, what's been going on, man? How are you and the kids doing? Oh, How are you coping? Yeah, we're <laughs> we're all coping coping well and fine. Just making sure we have our umbrellas handy because uh, no matter what the the forecast says, rain is always around the corner. Yeah, which is good if you're a tomato plant, unless your tomato plant have diseases. I'm seeing a lot of uh, getting a lot of emails and seeing questions on the Mississippi gardening side about uh, diseases related to. Uh, rainfall and humidity, you know, the question always comes up, is it better to water in the daytime or the morning or the afternoon? And people argue about it. And some people say, well, the rain doesn't care what time of day. But truth is, you know, if you need to water, it's probably better to water early in the day. Uh, because if you water in the middle of the day, it can sizzle some plants, but also the water evaporates. So it's kind of like a waste of water. Uh, and if you water late in the afternoon and plants are wet going into the evening, uh, the longer those leaves stay wet, the more likely diseases will develop. So I'd say if you got to water uh, early in the morning or late enough in the afternoon where there's still time for leaves to dry before dark. But anyway, I'm, we're in the time of uh, year, uh, Java, where people have more complaints and hope. And I'm thinking that's too bad because this is a great time to be thinking about planting uh, even summer stuff like tomatoes and peppers, if you can find them for a fall harvest. You know, there's, there's plenty of time to plant zinnias and all sorts of summer stuff. Lots of time to have a second summer garden if the first one is sort of leaving you a little disappointed. But anyway, weather is always going to have an impact on what we do and on how well our plants do. And and uh, sometimes if you have problems, I'll try to help you figure stuff out. Well, we got but, a couple uh, callers who um, may need your assistance, and hopefully they have more um, more hope than complaints. But let's uh, let's start with uh, <laughs> Melanie uh, in Mobile County. Melanie wants uh, hey. to join the show. Hey. Good morning, Mel. How are you? Hey, Melanie. Lady. We're all envious of you over there where it's cool. Well, I'll never that, forget that, that. the Fourth of July. I went into a pub and they had a blazing fire over there in Yorkshire, and we all walked well, up to it and warmed up. <laughs> well, the, there is a heat advisory uh, for folks this weekend. It's uh, it's seventy five today, and they're saying people need to take it easy. 
Oh, okay. Well, I will take that under consideration. <laughs> well, I, I tell you, you, you know, it's 75 degrees sounds really cool if you're from Mobile or anywhere in the deep south, but it's a little hot out there walking around the moors. So uh, anyway, no matter what you do, still need to drink plenty of water and find some shade. So what's, what's going on go. today? What's well, up? I have a couple of questions. Um, I have cat litter. I use uh, this uh, pelleted recycled paper cat litter is it right. I, I, I take the solids out <clears throat> but is it all right to put that in my compost heap i mean will oh, it sure. have any adverse effects no not really at all you know a cat any kind of uh, of meat eating animal whether it's cats or dogs or people whatever we can call we can carry pathogens in our in our waste but once you put it in the compost that stuff is broken out it's not a problem at all zero problems I thought that would be the, your answer, but I just wanted to check. Okay, so I had a little cedar tree volunteer in one of my flower beds. It's a freestanding uh-huh. bed, and yeah. it's, of course, I didn't want it to stay, but I've seen cedars made into little topiaries. I mean, right. I don't know if they're cedars, but so this is just a wild cedar that volunteered. Do you think that would be a possibility for it? It it, it would be that the regular what we call eastern red cedar, just plain old wild cedar tree. It, it yeah. is a tree, and you, you can keep it, uh, com, you know, bonsai and and small and all like that. Well, it just means that you're going to have to prune on it pretty well all the time. So if it's a regular cedar tree, if you want to, you know, keep it compact, that, it shouldn't be any problem. It's just going to be a never-ending thing, is all. Yeah. Okay. All right. One last question: Button bush. Does that grow down here on the coast? Yeah, it's it's native. You find it uh, along the rivers and the and the creeks going into Mobile Bay all the time. Uh, typically, where you're going to find it is down. You know, it doesn't like water, but you'll find it like river birches and pawpaws down in in areas that stay moist rather than way up in the mountains and all. So, as long as you give it a little bit of shade, you know, protection from the broiling hot sun. Yeah. And if you got if you got any kind of slope at all, put it down towards the bottom so it stays a little bit wetter part of the year. But other than that, they do fine. Okay, great. Thank you. Those are all the answers I wanted to hear. <laughs> well, appreciate it. Thank you, Melanie. Appreciate it a whole bunch. All right. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, who else we got, Sir Java? Well, we have a, um, a young lady on the road, Aubrey. Aubrey wants to uh, join the show this morning. Good morning, Aubrey. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Mr. Felder. <laughs> What's going hey, on? Where I, are you from? I, I have to decline being a young lady, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. Uh, you know, I'm, yeah, oh, what's yeah. up? Uh, I but, just wanted to call, sir, and tell you how much I've listened to you for decades. Love the show. <laughs> uh, we uh, we appreciate all you do, sir. We wanted to thank well, you very much. Well, I appreciate that. You just, you just riding around listening to the radio, or are you going or coming from someplace? Uh, no, sir. I'm headed to uh, up to upstate New York. I'm an over the road truck driver. Oh boy, it's a lot. You know, both hands on the wheel. You know how crazy those little cars in front of you and around you are. Oh yes, sir. Them and the eighteen wheelers too. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> Listen, I appreciate you a whole bunch. Thank you, sir. Keep Thank keep you, it sir. between Take keep care. keep it keep it between the ditches. We'll do it. Bye bye. You know, Java, it reminds me, we have been doing this a long time. I think I've been on MPB since around whew, 19, no, 2000 or, shoot, I don't know. It's been a long time. We've been doing this a long time, just talking about gardening and still learning some stuff. Well, we're, let's let, let's continue to talk, and I'm not going to young lady or young man this person, but uh, <laughs> we have Cindy uh, from Cordova, Tennessee, wants to join the show. Hey, Cindy, good morning. How you doing? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Do you know all up around your neck of the woods, they used to have a, a flower nurseries. They used to grow peonies out in fields for cut flowers from Memphis. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, there used to be a lot of, a lot of cut flower farms up there. What you got going on today? What's up? Well, I have a uh, spreading perennial chrysanthemum. Couldn't tell you what kind it is. A neighbor gave me a cutting a uh-huh. long time ago, and it, it spreads. And it gets real, real leggy. Um, is it too late for me to cut it back for it to bloom in October? No, it's not not too late at all. As a matter of fact, the commercial growers who who grow those things for sale in pots, they usually uh, give them one more pinch around the 1st of August, middle of August, to make them bushier with more flowers later. And let me ask you this. Uh, did you just have great big floppy pink flowers? No, it is. Um, they start out kind of white. And uh-huh. then they have a pale, pale pink tinge as they continue to to open up, and they spread like crazy. Yeah. Well, did, did they spread underground or just flop over yeah. across the top of the ground? No, underground. Okay. The reason I'm asking because uh, my great grandmother, who's a horticulturist, I found out decades later that that she enjoyed growing all sorts of hardy chrysanthemums. I found that out after I started growing them. And I'm always looking for varieties of the what we call garden moms. They're not the cushion moms, the fancy right. things itself, but you know, but but they they're really dependable. They're also real easy to root. So when you make your cuttings, take some 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 of you know, not the floppy tip end, but some of the cuttings you thought I try to root them in some moist potting soil to spread them around, share them with some of the neighbors because they ain't for sale anywhere. You gotta get them from somebody. I know. Yeah, I've never seen these for sale anywhere. And I, um, I, 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 I see, so I, I, I've got uh, about a dozen and a half different kinds of these hardy mums. You know, a lot of people know the one called Country Girls or Clara Curtis. It's not one of the Koreans, but it has the Korean in its in its hybrid lineage, uh, and they're just terrific garden plants in in the in the fall when not much else is blooming. So, you know, be sure to root some and share with folks. Take them to if you're you know church or drop them off at the library or someplace like that. Okay. Um, also, one last question. Um, I was fixing to give my roses their last. Um, I use the three-in-one feeding disease uh-huh. and fertilizer. It's not too late. Yeah. No, uh, you this don't want to push. Last time though, right? Well, we don't want to push plants in the heat of the summer, but that stuff is slow release, so you know it's not going to give them a big rush of stuff. I would say probably sometime in the late uh, winter, early spring, and again sometime in the in the late summer. And that's about right now, so it's not okay. any problem. Just, just don't, right. don't, pu- don't push them as much this time of year. Don't fertilize them as heavily in the summertime as you do in the spring. Right. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate your call. Thank you. You know, Java. Last week, a fella called up and wanted to know if if I know anything about a uh, a type of edible green that was he, he called it callaloo, and I had never heard of it. And I went online and come to find out I do know what it is. I just never heard it called callaloo. Uh, which is sort of a, a, a Jamaican word for a mixed stew type thing. Anyway, callaloo is a type of amaranth, uh, which is a, a, a leafy thing. It, we, we grow ornamental amaranths for the pretty foliage, uh, but there's there's several that are grown not only for the seeds that are re- that are edible and important in a lot of parts of the world, but they got red leaf ones and golden or light colored uh, and, and variegated leaf ones that are delicious, edible, and the hotter and drier, the better they grow. So anyway, I, I did a little research and found out a whole bunch about all sorts of hot weather loving summer greens, like the what he called callaloo is a type of amaranth.
And that's always funny where the different plants, you know, you have your proper name with the, you know, with the genus and the and the scientific yeah. name, the Latin name. But then you have all these folk names that can really just change depending on what area of, you know, of the country or the state you're in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, there's sometimes they call this Chinese spinach or visual amaranth. And that's what I heard it known as visual amaranth. Anyway, apparently Callaloo is uh is actually a name for a dish that uses stuff like that in it. But nope. anyway, well, let's go there ahead and go. take our uh, take our first break for the hour. Um, I've been trying to work on this cheesy tune, and it's actually one of my favorites that you play. So I can't wait until we uh, get to it around about the I nine, can't. about the thirty thirty half halfway of the uh, show. All righty, man. I appreciate it, folks. That's, that was uh, Java Chapman. You just heard he's my awesome producer. We've got a bunch of good producers, terrific ones in MPB all through the week. This gardening program is just one of many locally produced programs, and we don't care where you're from or who you are, who your mom and them are, or how you vote or anything like that. We just want to share what we know about gardening. And if I need to make a recommendation that involves a pesticide, I will do my best to choose the best one with the least amount of trouble because, like everybody else, I'm concerned about my health and my neighbors and the pollinators in my garden and all that stuff. So, anyway, I'm not stuck on this way or that way. I'm always open for new ideas. So we're going to take a little break and uh, come back, catch our breath, and come back more right after this. Just Google it. Well, what if you can't Google it? Ask a doctor, lawyer, financial analyst, gardener, or auto mechanic a question during one of our 15 local shows each weekday morning. MPB Think Radio. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and even though I'm far, far away physically, I'm over in the northern part of England, um, I'm, my heart, my spirit is in my little garden, my little uh, cottage garden there in Jackson, Mississippi, and also wandering around the state looking at yours. And I know that a lot of y'all are having trouble right now because of insects and diseases, and we're confused about what to do. The truth is, a lot of the problems that I, that I get calls and emails about are more cosmetic than anything. One of those in particular are caterpillars. Now, caterpillars can com- completely eat up my, my cabbage and my, my, uh, my broccoli. I cover them with a netting to keep the, the moths off. Uh, but I'm also seeing a lot of pictures right now showing up uh, here and there, people showing off their flowers, their zinnias and, and uh, the roses sharing. But a lot of people are showing pictures of the great big butterflies, swallowtail butterflies. And uh, those of you who had trouble with the big caterpillars eating up your fennel uh, and, and uh, some of your, your other uh, vegetable plants are now seeing the results of that, and that's the caterpillars turning into great big beautiful butterflies. You cannot have butterflies without you or somebody else having the caterpillars. So let's let's try to leave a few if we can. You know, you don't have to you don't have to control everything in the garden. It's a buggy bug world and the more different kinds of plants you set out, the more different kind of things are gonna be attracted to it. Some are not that good for your garden, but they're good for other things that attract to them. It's kind of a web of life thing. Anyway, one of the scariest things I've seen, I've seen a lot of pictures now of these great big garden spiders. Uh, sometimes it's that yellow and black one. Uh, sometimes one called a banana spider, but they're huge. I mean, they're, they're making my skin crawl just thinking about them. 
I don't like spiders. I don't dislike them. But if I get one on me, or if I get a web on me, I squeal like a little girl. So when I see one of these these things, or when somebody calls me and they've got one in the garden, I'll, t- I'll try to catch it and put it in a different place in the garden because it's such a beneficial, such a beautiful creature. So anyway, I don't really like spiders, but I'm not going to, unless it's a black widow or a, or a brown recluse, I'm just going to try to live and let live with it. It's a, it's a weird world out there. And we're just a small part of we're sort of orchestrating uh, the combination of plants and the critters that come with them so got to learn to to live with some of the bad because some of the bad actually turns out to be some of the good so anyway you want to give us a call it's toll free one eight seven seven mpb ring what's it looking like java uh well we're still waiting on these calls to come in and i did have a question because you always um bring up the point that here in mississippi we can have uh i think it's what two back-to-back summer gardens and when is it i guess when is that time coming for you know to start that second i believe that second summer garden it's a good question. A lot of people, when they plant stuff in the spring and they plant just once a year like a farmer, they don't realize that gardening can be literally year-round. I don't, I, you know, everybody's got a de- decent-sized garden should have really something going to where there's one bed that's being harvested or it's time to, or it's been killed by the heat or the cold. Always have some, some little area. In other words, break the garden up into smaller gardens so you could plant something just about every season so you have something to harvest or enjoy every season. Uh, we still have time to plant any of the summer stuff. I'm talking about beans and squash and uh, ca- uh, uh, tomatoes and peppers and sunflowers and zinnias and things like that. Although the later you wait, the more likely they're going to have trouble with insects or you're going to have to water them a little bit more. But we have a lot, plenty of time for those to be planted and harvested. They're getting kind of hard to find at some of the garden centers because traditionally garden centers don't stock up. For, for stuff after the big sales rush in the spring. It's a little early for setting out things that like cool weather. I'm talking about broccoli and cabbage and carrots and beets and, you know, lettuces. It's a little early for that. Another month or a month or so, five, five, six weeks away from that. But anything you can get right now that's normally planted in the spring can be planted normally now. And if nothing else, just work up a little dirt and scatter some zinnia or cosmo seeds over the area. Wet it down once or twice over the first few days, and you'll have a beautiful crop of flowers and butterflies the rest of the season until you get around to planting something else. So plenty of time to plant any summer stuff that normally plant in the spring, a little early for stuff that's normally planted in the fall. That helped? hope so. Yeah, no, I believe it helped helped out some people and sparked uh, some interest because we have a full bank of calls, and we're going to start out in the capital city uh, with Don uh, here in Jackson. Hey, good morning, Don. How you doing, man? Good morning. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how about yourself? So far, so good. Not so bad. Fantastic. My wife has these flowers. I can't remember the name of them. She knows it, but they're yellow. Anyway, we have a problem with slugs getting in there, and she's heard that eggshells are a good natural uh, deterrent for slugs, but it doesn't seem to be working. So I was wondering if you had any ideas I could tell it. Yeah, well, the eggshells, you know, I hear eggshells, I hear these things all the time, but I've also had pictures of slugs and snails crawling across them with, with, with eggshells stuck on their backs. So there's so many home remedies that work for some people, but in general are, are, are not good recommendations. Uh, your best bets with the slugs, first of all, if she's watering a lot, you know, we're getting a lot of rain, so the more moisture you have out there, the more slugs are going to move around, so... 
Uh, so if she's watering a lot, she needs to hold, hold back a little bit. Uh, there are all sorts of slug baits and slug pellets, and they work fairly well. Um, but you got to put them out after every three or four rains or waters. you got to reapply them. One of the things I've done is you can mix up a real mild salt water solution, just salt, a little bit of salt and a fair amount of water in a squirt bottle, and just squirt it around the base of the plants late in the day. It's not enough to kill your plants, but slugs and snails will not crawl across it. It washes away, but, but and if you use it too strong, it can cause problems to the plants. So a little bit of salt water will help from time to time. Okay. Awesome. Thanks. Okay. Tell her good luck, Arnold. <laughs> Will do. Appreciate it. All righty. What's up? What's up? Who's next, Java? All right. We have Cheryl on the road. Cheryl on the road. Two hands on the wheel now. <laughs> hey, Cheryl. Where are you? Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Jackson, Mississippi, but I'm on my way to work. Okay. You know it can be crazy on the streets there, so stay safe. What's up? Um, I have got wasps that are continuing to uh, try to hang out by my back door. And oh, I was yeah. wondering if there was anything I could do without just spraying them with boss spray. You know, this is a this is a real tough thing for me, too, because I got stung under my arm. If you can imagine a worse place to be stung, except maybe on the end of your nose this past spring, and I was just minding my own business. Um, but I've, I've got a, a cabin that's made that got a lot of cypress wood, so every crack and crevice has got a wash nest in it. Anyway, there's not much you can do to deter them. Um, if, if you know where they're building their nest, you can squirt some oil or uh, uh, in, in those areas because they can't attach anything to an oily surface. That'll help a little bit. But unfortunately, even though wasps are extremely beneficial, they're awfully aggressive. And if they get real close to the door, you know, this is one of the few cases where I say, you know, you, you, there's not much you can do except just get rid of the nest or spray the wasp. And I, I don't mind saying that because I'm not spraying the whole yard just where there's specific problems. And that's probably going to be your best bet. And it's not fun. It's not pleasant. Okay, but I just I, wanted I, to see if there was some way I could make them go somewhere else, you know? <laughs> no, there's really not. You know, if, if they're coming from, like, in between some boards or where you can't see the nest, then uh, once you get rid of them, if you'll take some of this expanding foam stuff or some caulk and, and just caulk that up, that'll keep them, because otherwise they'll keep coming back. And that's what I'm doing around my, my back door. For some reason, they like to get up under the wood shingles. They can find their way in there, and so I'm just using caulk to try to make it where they can't come back. Right. Okay, very good. Well, um, I appreciate the information. Thank you. Okay, be careful. Ooh, they, can, right. they, can be, they can be aggressive in protecting their own, their own space. Yeah, well, I have my little hornet wasp spray, and uh, <laughs> I watch out I know. for them. <laughs> it's, it's not fun, but, you know, we got to do what we got to do sometimes. Right. All right, thank you again. Uh, okay, appreciate it. I'd like to find out if anybody has a, a really effective wasp repellent. It seemed like I'd heard about it because I research all the time, and I hear all sorts of home remedies, but, you know, uh, home remedies usually only work part of the time or for some people, and they haven't worked for me at all. I know people may not want to hear it, but the but the stuff that shoots out from thirty feet away works yeah. works also. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I use. Like I say, I got stung under the arm, and I was just minding my own business. So I'm saying, uh, uh-uh, uh, this ain't happening. I'm the biggest predator in my garden. Well, let's let's keep on the phones as you can uh, hear they're coming in. Let's talk to Rachel in Eupora. Okay. Hey, Rachel, what's going on? Hey, up in Felder. West, uh, that's West Webster County, right? Uh, yes, it is. I'm in Alrighty. Webster County. Yeah. Cool, cool. cool. What's up? So, 
uh, I wanted to say thanks for putting a word in for spiders. Uh, I love spiders, and I think the one, the big black and yellow one you're talking about is called a golden orb weaver. That's right. That's right. uh Uh-huh. And they do uh, spin the most beautiful web, and uh, I I wish I had one here. I kept thinking maybe I I did have one, but as it grew, it didn't turn out to be that. But yeah, I know, had one. Spiders I, are I, wonderful. They they are, and and they're interesting. Um, you know, even though again, you know, I won't tolerate a, a, a brown recluse. Black widows wouldn't bother me normally because they don't move around, but the brown recluse is about the only one I just can't tolerate. We do have uh, one of my favorite spiders, and again, they they give me the creeps. I can't help that, but I can overcome yeah. it. But the, my favorite, these little jumping spiders, a little hit, tiny little, about the size of my fingernail, they're hairy, and you point your finger at them, and they stand up and they point their fingers back and say, <laughs> I don't think so, and they just yeah. hop around. They're, they're really cool, those spiders. <laughs> yeah, they they look like uh, creatures from another world if you really study them. Oh, and, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Most of them are harmless. And so, anyway, thanks for putting in a good word, and I think that's the thing to do. If you don't like the spider, catch it in a uh, jar with a lid or a a styrofoam cup with a lid and just relocate it. I'm getting goosebumps just thinking about it, but you're right. I tell you one (laughs) other thing you can do with those those big spiders that have the great big webs. You can go Uh up behind them and you you can tickle them. You can touch your back with a little straw and they'll dance. They move back and forth no, real fast. Really? Well, you know, they, they they think it's a bird, and they'll 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 move back and forth. They make their whole web. It's like a dance type thing. You, you don't right. want to mess with them too much, but anyway, so you can get them to dance. They just think they're trying to avoid a bird. Yeah, I had a um, I called it my pet out here on my rose bush, and her name was Broomhilda, and <laughs> I had a uh, spider in my kitchen that I had named uh, Brown Betty. But Brown Betty got, um, I accidentally killed Brown Betty, and I feel really bad about it. But uh, another one will replace her. Yeah, spiders are very beneficial. They creep me out, just like snakes creep some other people out. But I have as best I can a live and let live attitude. So anyway, appreciate your call about that. Thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Felder. Bye-bye. Oh, man, I've got goosebumps all over me right now. I don't like spiders. I don't like them. <laughs> well, let's, um, before we get to this, uh, this cheesy tune, Felder, we got one more call. Um, we're going to talk to uh, Christina. It doesn't say Hattiesburg. It says near Hattiesburg. So let's see where Christina's from. <laughs> near Hattiesburg could be almost anywhere. Where Where are you, Christina? Uh, I am. Can you hear me all right? Hello. Hello. Yeah, like like Mozilla. Yeah. What's up? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the country. Um, it's I, I'm I'm near, I'm in Summerall. Okay, I know where that is. So yeah. anyway, what's go? What what can I help you with today? Um, well, a few things. Pumpkins. I'm going to ask about. Um, but regarding wasps, um, yeah. I am really allergic to yellow jackets, and I have yeah. put up. It's the Y traps. W Y E. They work really, really well for yellow jackets. So is that, is, is that something that, like, uh, they, it allures a man that traps them in a liquid thing or something? 
Exactly. Yep. It, yeah. It's like they're some kind of smell. And yeah. yeah. Those have been yeah, great. You, um, yeah, what that's, else? that's just, and, um, and oh, and about the spiders. Um, I used uh-huh. to have arachnophobia until I moved to Mississippi, and I had to deal with them so much. So yeah, spiders <laughs> rock. And um, so pumpkins. I have a really uh, well, like a decent sized field, maybe in two acres, three acres. That's that's um, a big field. Yeah, it and the soil is really great. And I don't. Do you have any tips for growing pumpkins? Uh, yeah. Have you already planted them? No, but I know I need to plant them soon, don't I? Uh, July the 4th is sort of the cutoff date for them to have enough time oh, to, to mature bef- before fall. That's just sort of a general thing. And we're not much past that, but in general, if you plant them now, they're going to they're gonna have to be watered. And there's no way you can water field that big. So mm-hmm. it's gonna, it, what, what you might want to do is start out on a smaller scale this year and sort of get your feet wet, so to speak, you know, plant a few hills uh, or as close as you can to any kind of water, and then see how, how it does this year, and then get a little bit of a, a, a better start next year when it's not going to be as tough. But uh, in general, they need just a little bit of an all-purpose fertilizer, just a little bit, and you, 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 you don't plant, you can plant them in rows, but most people work up the dirt, and they plant on little small mounds or hills, and they'll, and they'll, thin, the, they'll thin the plants out to two or three or maybe four vines per mound and then let them run in every direction um so anyway the biggest problem right now is going to it's so hot to dig and so hot to, to, to all like that but if we have some rain you might mm-hmm. be able to have a pretty good crop we're just running into the amount of time it takes from seed to harvest we're up mm-hmm. against that limit that's that's the okay. problem Okay, so I need to get it done this weekend. Cool, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 I, I would recommend trying it on a smaller scale this this first year okay. because then then you're going to find out about uh, weeds and stuff like that. So you mm-hmm. know, get get your feet start small this year and then build on that success for next year. Okay, wonderful. Thank you. Alrighty, you, you bet. Thank you for calling. So thank you. Okay, Java, I sent two tunes. Which one did you come up with? Uh, the one from uh, Mr. Mr. Nichols. Okay, Lobroy Nichols. Is it Jeb Loy? Jeb Loy Nichols. He puts out some very strange stuff. And uh, and just for, for what it's worth, this is the song I played on my second ever broadcast with Mississippi Public Broadcasting. And it really resonated with a lot of folks. Kind of laid back, but, you know, this time of day, we're, we're all trying to stay inside and be a little bit laid back. I'm Horticulture Spell Rushing. Me and Java Chapman, my awesome producer, and other folks in Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We're going to take a little bit of a break, sort of shake this Etch-A-Sketch upside down over our heads, and come back with more about gardening here on MPB right after this. Come on over to my yard. It's um, I got a lot of stuff growing right now that's, that's, that needs to be harvested. Got my daughter and my son coming over this weekend. They're going to pick some of the tomatoes and peppers I left behind, and there may be some blueberries left. But what's really galling me is I, is I, my figs were loaded. I planted a fig tree a couple of years ago, and I cut it back to a couple of feet tall, and then I cut those branches back. And I got a nice fig bush with probably, 
I don't know, three dozen stems loaded with figs, and I'm not going to be able to make preserves this year. That's okay. Um, one of the things that I'd gotten a call about last week, a fellow was talking about hot hot weather greens, uh, and he called it Callaloo. That's what we mentioned in the first part of the program. I just want to share a little bit. There's two. There, there's several different kinds of amaranth. Some are grown as ornamental plants, just plain old or landscaping or flower-type amaranth. <laughs> Excuse me. The green callaloo and the red callaloo are two kinds of amaranth that are grown mostly for the leaves, and then they make seed heads uh, with lots of little seeds that that are, that are so similar to, um, to to quinoa or couscous. But anyway, if you plant these things, they love hot weather. You pinch the top of them out, they make bushes, and you cook them and eat them just like spinach, except they love hot weather. Anyway, different kind of amaranth. Uh, but uh, green or red are the ones that are grown for this uh, uh, Caribbean dish that they call Callaloo. Anyway, if you want to give us a call, it's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring uh, What's going on in your neck of the woods, Job? Have got any callers on the line or what? Oh, yes, sir. we got a full bank as always. Uh, right. So let's go to Alabama. I love when we step outside of Mississippi for a moment, even if it's just over to Mobile. Let's talk with Libby in Mobile. Hey, Libby. Hey. Um, I'm calling you about my fig tree. Uh, What's up with it? I don't have the first fruit on it. Huh. And and the problem, and, and, and what's also interesting, I got a loquat right next to it, close to it, and it doesn't have any fruit on it either. Well, there's a completely different thing. For one thing, the loquat, uh, they, you know, they, they typically bloom in the late winter, and a late freeze or hard winter will kill their flowers, even on the coast. So it's not well, unusual for for loquats to. I mean, they they flower like I say in, in the winter time. And if we have a mild spring, you'll get fruit. If not, and we you know we had a freeze, hard freeze, right about when they normally flower. That could be yeah. all that one is. As far as the figs, though, you know, a fig isn't really a fruit. It's a flower. It's an inside out. If you cut one open and look inside, you'll see it's just an inside out flower. And uh, anything that causes the, the the tree to have stress on it, uh, too much rain. Uh, root damage, uh, anything like that, too much fertilizer, anything that, that causes the plant to grow better or not so, so, so well is going to cause it to not have flowers as much. And this, uh, it, Has yours ever had figs, had figs last year? Uh, yeah, I didn't have a good crop last year. But, you know, we did have that big cold. Uh, I, I lost a lot of plants in that big cold storm this past winter. Yeah, well, and I'm wondering but, if it affected the fig, too. It's growing. Yeah. I mean, it's got lots of branches, lots of leaves. I cut it back uh, two, three years ago. So it's it's real full and bushy and gorgeous. Just no you know, fig. You know, this is, a, I, I hate to say, I don't know, but, but I, I can tell you one thing I do know is I've gotten calls about this every year for the past 40 years, and there's not a real good answer, but it's going to be something that's affecting the overall vigor of the tree. Could just be too much rain and making it a little bit extra vigorous. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just know that some years figs have better figs than others, and the neighbors two doors down have a completely different story. <laughs> so, the, so the only thing I can suggest are going to be general things, and I, you know, I feel kind of stupid doing that. But a little bit of fertilizer under the outer spread of the branches every two or three years, a good soaking during extreme dry spells, which is rarely too dry for a fig. I mean, they're native to the Mediterranean. You know, they can go on 15 minutes of rainfall a year, but 
I'm suspecting it may have been that the coal set it back a little bit, and all this rain has caused it to have lush growth at the expense of making flowers. That's my best educated guess. That makes sense because we, you know, we I think we've had a year's worth of rain already this summer. So uh, yeah, one thing you can try and when I try this, this is, it sounds kind of weird what I'm about to say, but it is it's based on plant physiology. If you go out from the trunk five or six or eight feet and take a shovel and cut straight down and then skip over a couple of feet or a couple of three feet and make a few cuts straight down in a big circle, not a whole circle, but like a dashed line all the way around it, this actually cuts roots, not enough to, to hurt the tree, but enough to shock it into flowering. Now, this is called root pruning, and it's a horticulture practice. But And it's not too late to try that. Just make a few crunchy uh, cuts out from the trunk all the way around it. And let's see if that doesn't shock it into producing. It, it really well, works. Can I ask you, you one more thing? Sure. Um, you, usually, um, even if I don't get good figs, there's a, a what seems like a little crop of figs that happens early, and then they all uh. fall off, and then the real figs grow. And that's yeah. what I get my fix. It sounds like you have a variety called brown turkey, which brown is probably turkey, the most. Yeah, so yeah that, that's a variety that always has what they call a B-R-E-B-A crop. If you Google B-R-E-B-A crop on figs, uh, you know, that that's what happens a lot of times on those. It's just sort of like a false start. And then they have a pretty decent crop later. Um, because of this, uh, I don't grow brown turkey. I grow a variety that's called Celeste that has one dependable crop. But the brown turkeys are kind of fickle about this. And old timers will tell you, some years they got figs, some years they don't on brown turkey. Okay. And, uh, and, and, okay. and the best I can do is guess. I don't mind guessing, but I'm always going to admit it when I am, and I'm just guessing. <laughs> and, 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 and get the, and, and get this. I wrote the book, and I'm still guessing. <laughs> anyway, try root pruning. Let's see what happens. Thank you. Okay. Good luck on it. Oh, but I forgot to mention, if you're going to be doing that this time of year, it's going to be hot. Stay hydrated. And also be aware that if you're playing around in the garden, we've had so much moisture. We've had so, you know, we got a lot of little frogs and stuff like that. And, you know, we talked about spiders earlier, but some people are definitely afraid of snakes, even the beneficial snakes. And when you get a lot of moisture, you get a lot of things to eat, you're going to have a lot of things that eat what eat your garden. And so carry a stick with you. Move it around. If you're going to be, you know, under trees and in mulch and stuff like that, a rattle stick around ahead of you because uh, if there's a, a snake under there, it's probably a beneficial snake, you know, one like the uh, the speckled king snake that eat other snakes. But anyway, give them a chance to get out of your way because they do not want to see you worse than you do not want to see them. Just be careful of wasps and snakes this time of year when you mess around with shrubs. Yeah, it's funny, Felder. We had a, a, a person call on um uh, creature comforts just yesterday asking how to keep the birds um, away from their tomato plants and uh, and one suggestion was um, to put netting around but then the other caveat to that was make sure that you don't get a bird caught in the netting because then you may attract a snake <laughs> so it's just I mean you know the things that happen outside I mean it's just stuff that's just going to happen yep Oh, by the way, and I, I, I forgot to mention this. I forget the name of the guy who calls sometimes. I've got a redheaded wife. Chico. Uh, Chico. Yeah, had a, a call from a lady in, in, up in Tupelo who came to our live broadcast when we were uh, up at Tupelo, and she had heard Chico talk about making a, a, a some putting some stands out there with old typewriters on it. She got one for him. 
<laughs> we're making, I'm not to, we're making uh, those connections. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying, Chico, if you listen, don't call me about it, but shoot us an email or somehow get it. We'll put you in touch with a lady with a typewriter for your vine thing. <laughs> uh, Felder, let's go ahead and work through the rest of these calls. Let's stay in, okay. mo- stay in Mobile and talk with our uh, our good friend Mikey. Mikey's on the line. Hey, Mikey, Hi. good morning. Howdy. Hey, good morning. Um, uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm out pulling up little scrub oak seedlings. and um, uh, I, I, Actually, I called because... I'm wondering about, <laughs> personally, I am allergic to wasp stings. They will, put me, they will put me up, you know, with my, if it, yeah. especially if it's on the lower legs, they will put me up in a recliner with legs elevated for two weeks, okay? Oh, we, yeah, I, I know that. And uh, so uh, that's one of the reasons I'm calling. But I love wasps because I have seen wasps carry away personally, you know, go down and get the caterpillar and carry it off. I love they're, caterpillars they're, they're, too, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, mean, yeah I know. It's, it's a buggy bug world, but caterpillars eat the plants. Wasps eat caterpillars. Wasps sting me. So anyway. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and you can yeah. live through it. And and what um, my question is, um, now this is something that I've discovered through trial and error, um, that, uh, of course, when you're using bug sprays, I mean, you want to use them judiciously. You don't want to put on more than you have to, and you don't want to put it on um, areas that you don't want to have to. I found that it's great to use them on Articles of clothing. Spray your clothes first. Spray your shoes, you know. Um, and my question is, because it never occurred to me before, dang it, you know, it's like I've got a sister that she, she I go, put on the gloves, you know, because if you're sticking your hands into something, there's going to be a spider or a, and or a wasp in there. Yep, they're, yep. they're mortal enemies, right? Well, I, that's right. I, you know, it's like it just occurred to me. And, you know, not incredibly stupid, but, you know, I can be pretty ignorant sometimes. Can you spray your garden gloves before you go out? Hang on, hang on, hang on. I would not spray articles of clothing with insecticides because there's, there's warnings on the label about that. So, anyway, it's a good idea, but I, I wouldn't do that. I, you know, let's, let's, let's limit our exposure to pesticides, too. So, anyway, the main thing is just be careful. Just be careful. So, you know, it's a, it was, is a good idea, but I can't. Well, that's a different story. But as far as, you know, other things, let's not be spraying ourselves with insecticides. That's 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 a good idea, but it's a bad thing to do. So let, let, I, I, can't, I can't go with that, except for, you know, insect repellents. But other, in general, I would not spray the stuff I'm about to put on with any kind of poison and go through my skin. Anyway, we, we, we get the general idea. Got to be careful because it's a weird world out there. All right, Felder, let's come back to um, the capital city and talk with Herbert. Herbert's on the line. Good morning, Herbert. How are you? It's Hubert. Hubert. What's up, Hubert? I've got two questions about my oriental persimmon. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I had a, a bumper crop on my persimmon tree, but this year I have nothing. Was it the hard freeze in the uh, late spring, early spring? It, it could be, Hubert. Uh, my great-grandmother had one that was planted before my dad was born, and Katrina finally blew it over. This is up in the Delta, up closer to Memphis, and it always had a crop. And we had some pretty hard freezes, but I wouldn't be surprised if I don't remember the year it got down to 10 degrees and it didn't have. So, so it's a good chance that, that that hard freeze, it wasn't so much that it was hard freeze, it was a sudden 
prolonged hard freeze, and, and uh, that would have affected a lot of plants. So anyway, that, that's about as good a guess I can think of. There, you know, the one you have is probably self-pollinated, so it probably didn't need bees. But, you know, with all the rain, we've had you know, low pollinators. You know, bees couldn't work their flowers as much. But anyway, I'm, I, I will blame it on the weather. I really will. One more question. Uh, I've got uh, persimmon sprouts coming up all over around my tree, say 10 or 12 feet around it. Can I spray those sprouts with Roundup with no harm to the tree? No, because if they're coming up from seed, you know, yes. But uh, if they're coming up from root sprouts, what you put on there is going to go down and kill the roots of the main thing. So, no, I, I would, you know, I would, if you're going to do that, take a shovel and make a cut on the side of the sprout closest to the main tree to make sure it's not a root sack could go back to the to the main tree. You see what I'm saying? Good enough. Thanks, sir. Good luck on it. You know, I'm just guessing about the cold. Okay. <laughs> you know, there is one of the job before we get the next call. There is something uh, that, that affects a lot of fruit trees, pecans, apples, things like that. Well, if they have a really heavy crop one year, that sort of wears them out, and they can actually skip a year. They have what's called alternate bearing. So if you have a really heavy crop on some things one year, you'll have little or no crop the next year. And that's fairly normal on a lot of fruit trees. I just don't know if it is on the persimmons or not. So who we got, man? Uh, let's go to, I've been, let's see if I can go three for three on these names. Johanna uh, from your neck of the woods, Fondering. Is it Johanna or Johanna? Johanna, hey. <laughs> Howdy, what's up? Hey, I've got England Envy Felder. But I've got three questions. If I run out, I'll call you next week. I've got one about irises. And my irises and the leaves have got these insects, I guess, that are making like they look like uh, pencil lead or something. And they're just turned yellow. They're Louisiana irises. And what I thought about doing was getting a stool and sitting there and cutting the leaves down to the, are they tubers or rhizomes or roots? Rhizomes. Yes, rhizomes, yeah. And see if I could eliminate it that way, or should I just give up and dig these irises up and call it a day? Is, is, is it an iris or is it a, is it a, a, a rust-type uh, disease-type thing? It's a, it, They make tunnels in the leaves, and then they leave little black spots, like black pencil-head things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, how do they look from 10 feet away? They look ragged and brown and yellow. Yeah. I would just cut them back and see what happens. Okay. Uh, my second question. Uh, when I was a kid, I grew up in Ocean Springs, and we had a lot that went down to a drainage ditch, and then the ocean kind of came wetland, came back in it. And there was a tree back there, and I thought it was the most exotic thing I'd ever seen. And I found out later is a native tree called a button bush. Yeah, Would button a, bush, bu- right. Would they grow up here? Would they grow in Fondren, or do they need to there, be in there, the... There, there, there's, there's one on Crane Boulevard, half of, uh, one, one, one house off of Old Canton Road. There's a, a garden that's got all sorts of native plants. they got a, a, a pollinator sign right on, on Crane Boulevard, okay. right off of Old Canton Road. And you'll see one that's about eight feet tall. So that's the answer to that. Yeah, um, it, it, we're, we're out of time, though. you got to okay. call next week for this next one. Enjoy your enjoy yourself. Have a good time and and go for it. All right, God bless you, and, and 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 don't go get my blueberries. <laughs> I'm all right. Bye, bye, Oh yeah, uh, button bush is a great native pollinator plant. Bees and all sorts of stuff love it. It's hard to find commercially, but that's the kind of stuff that that uh, native plant enthusiasts are all trying to get people to grow more interesting native plants because they're good for interesting native critters. So anyway, one of the things I'd encourage you if you're interested in learning about um, 
native plants and spiders and snakes and what's causing this and that. Go to a, a, a Facebook thing called Mississippi Gardening. Are you still there, Java? No, I ran away. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, so I said, did I push your button here? And I'm just talking at thin air. No, nah, Felder, that was funny what you told um, Johanna about uh, don't go get the blueberries. I imagine if you were to put a camera like, uh, you know, on your <laughs> on your garden, how many how many tiptoers and looky lures would you would you catch? You know, <laughs> that's, that's OK. I got a great big old speckled king snake waiting for anybody to look at my blueberry. I know where he lives, too. <laughs> anyway, it's been kind of a kind of a fracture time. We had a lot of all stay in odds and ends and there's some tips I'd like to share but the main tip is right now it's hot it's muggy it may rain it's miserable out there but it's a good time to garden you can still plant stuff you don't have to do the whole yard or the whole garden you can plant your pot full of stuff or work up a little area of the flower bed and plant start something new to have something fresh to keep your fingers dirty it's good for you and speaking of good for you it'd be good for you and me and everybody else if you can find a neighbor with some kids and take them to a farmer's market or a garden center take them to a place where people grow stuff they sell and get them to meet somebody in the green industry to show them how to do what we do best and that's get dirty farmers market is a great place to start kids out we'll be back same time same place right here on mississippi public broadcasting next week meanwhile go get dirty <laughs> 